All right, if you guys want to join me in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. 1 Peter 2, chapter 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scriptures, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you and we give you thanks for your word and the truth that lies in it, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for the mercies and the grace that you show us. And Lord, as uh, we open your word, I just pray for, for the Holy Spirit on Jackie, Lord, that uh, he just speaks your words and that our hearts are ready to receive and uh, let it become part of our lives and, and to send us out into a world that desperate, desperately needs your light. We give you all the things for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I've had an exciting week. <laughs> Maybe you remember. Last Sunday, I was uh, headed to California to pick some folks up. And I discovered something about myself last Sunday. I'm stupid. So, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, I have a three-quarter ton Dodge Ram truck that should never have gas in it. But before I went to California, I decided it was a good idea to put $125 worth of gas in it, which, by the way, will not get you to California. If you're curious, it will get you to Filer. And then you have to make a bunch of phone calls, tow truck, and Lord have mercy on my soul. So it, uh, my wife says, apparently, this is how my wife is always the sunshine lady. So she gives me sunshine. I'm sitting in a corner banging my head on a wall thinking about how stupid I am. And I don't have time for this right now. And uh, she says, well, the Lord is sparing you from something bad. So that's probably true. 
He spared me from something bad with something bad. That I didn't enjoy at all. But in the process, I came to realize I'm not quite as smart as I think I am. So we got it fixed, and I went down, what day did I go down? Wednesday. I went down Wednesday, got there Thursday. Dave and Kay were kind enough to let us use their trailer. We filled their trailer up, got the trailer back Friday, unpacked it, well, sort of, put it in their house, let's say, last night. And, uh, and they're here with us this morning, worshiping uh, the Lord. So God was able to accomplish the goal, even though Jackie doesn't know the difference between gas and diesel. However, I need to find someone who's willing to make me with one of them. What do you call those things that cut letters out? Come on, crickets. I knew one of you ladies knew what I was talking about. I need somebody to make me the biggest letters they can that say diesel, because I'm putting it on the side of my truck maybe that'll help me if I if I ever get confused again so we're thankful that Jordan and Tiffany are here with us and hopefully you guys will get a chance to meet them why don't you guys wave from the back that's them they just moved out here from Taft and they uh, they want to be part of the community here in Buell and we'll just see what God does so so uh, we wanted to try to help get them out this way as well and, and uh, certainly uh, open to whatever God has. So as we move forward, um, uh, I hopefully don't have any more trips. So one weekend I went to Arizona, the next week I went to California. And by the way, it's still there. It's just as bad as you think, and you should not go. Stay away. I'm hoping I didn't get any of it on me while I was there. And uh, I have showered well since then, so hopefully we're clean. So we're going to take a look First Peter chapter 2 today, this morning. And as we do, we want to remind ourselves, what is, what's Peter got going on? What is the point of the message that he has for us? Peter is writing this epistle to help the church primarily in the area that he's writing anyway, um, is Gentile, although there are Jews present in all the churches that are in Asia Minor, which is Turkey today. And as he's writing this letter, that church is suffering. They're going through hard times. Well, you should be aware of some of their names anyway, because the whole uh, letter to the seven churches in the book of Revelation is written to the same area. The seven letters to the seven churches is all in Asia Minor. They're all traveling around uh, uh, the cycle there in Asia Minor. One of those churches' name is Smyrna. Smyrna is in your Bible usually under the heading of the persecuted church. In Smyrna, the Lord has a word for Smyrna, and the Lord has a word for us. Uh, though I don't think we are seeing a persecution uh, yet as it will be, there are several pastors in Canada who are in prison today because they won't stop gathering. So those days may come. We'll see. But as we look at it, the persecution that arose, God's word to Smyrna was this. Be faithful. That was it. Be faithful. 
literally, the Lord said, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. There was no promise to Smyrna about deliverance. There was no promise that you would escape any uh, persecution that was going on. And a lot of times when we talk about the, the end times, which certainly we believe ourselves to be in, we get confused between the concept of the wrath of God and persecution. God never promises to save us from persecution. He promises to save us from the wrath of God. For you are not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we look for and eagerly await the great appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But until that time, our world may get ugly. Has anyone noticed? Anyone watching the news anymore? Have we abandoned it? So as we watch these things, these days come, the word that we have for us from Peter is a word that says God has given us grace in our time of need. Grace is an unmerited favor. There are blessings that God has given his church to carry them through hard times. And as we come to 1 Peter, we want to recognize that. Here is how he's going to encourage us in the book of 1 Peter. One, he's going to show us we have a new identity in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk about that today. Then he's going to show them that their suffering is a way to bear witness to Christ. That's why God doesn't always take suffering away. And then finally... He is going to tell us to focus our future hope on the return of Christ. So we set our eyes on the prize. We endure the things around us. And we recognize who we are in Christ Jesus. This is what Peter is writing to us. And in the first chapter, we understand that since God reached out and affected our generation, yours and mine, with the enduring act of regeneration, we are to live a certain way. We are to abide by certain, what we would call Christian disciplines. Not looking back and wallowing in our old vices, but being set free. Peter's going to talk about it like changing your clothes. Taking off your soiled clothes and putting on fresh clothes because we have been saved. Last week, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, this is what we read. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, that's the gospel, for a sincere brotherly love, that's the love that's poured out in the life of a believer for other believers when they have been saved, he says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Verse 1, chapter 2, therefore. So, 
put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Those are the old clothes. That's the old man. Those are the old things. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things that aren't there. And the things that aren't there tend to be the things that the church focuses on first. When I was growing up as a young man, a long, 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 long time ago, and I, was in, I would go to church. I remember the elders of church would check the young men as they were coming in the back door to make sure that their shirts were tucked in and they had a belt on. Now, this stuck with me. I'm not saying this was everywhere. It was all over the place. But this is an example of focusing on things that are outward and not paying attention to what the word says. Put off malice. Put it off. Here's one of the things that we need to understand. It's so important. These are the community-destroying vices that are ruining the church today. The stuff I just read. It's not someone smoking. It's not someone drinking. It's not someone doing this or that. But as long as we put our focus on all these external issues and we don't pay attention to these ones listed, we will continue to destroy community. We'll destroy our own community through these things. Our own community has been affected by them and will be affected by them unless the people of God repent and put them away. They are going to always be the things. These are the things the church tolerates. And what you tolerate, you encourage. We can't tolerate this stuff. And the reality is, here's, here's the trick. Most of them, oh, there's a couple of them you'll be able to see on others. But most of them are things we need to be aware of in our own heart. There's, somebody's not going to come along and point out you have malice. We're good at wearing a mask for an hour a day. Right? Come on. You could, you could look like anything you want to look like on a Sunday morning. I know. I used to show up on Sunday morning and fight with my wife all the way to church, smack the kids in the back seat, tell them to be quiet, hollering and screaming and carrying on, pulling to church, and the holy bug would alight upon us and we would then leave the car all smiles as though everything in life was perfect. This is what the Lord is telling us as we talk about our new identity in Christ. In our new identity in Christ, because we have been born again, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25, because the word of God has changed us and we've been changed by an imperishable seed, not a perishable one. This is an eternal event that has taken place. So, he says, put this off. Malice is all kind of ill will. You notice the word all in front of it, right? So it's not like some malice is okay. He says, put off all malice, all kinds of ill will will. Anyone ever had ill will toward another brother? 
I'm not, let, we'll talk about the world later. Well, let's just talk about ourselves for a while. Because if you want to know how to combat the things that are going on in our world, we better figure out how to build community. And if we're going to build community, we can't walk around being filled with malice for one another. You ever had ill will for another brother or sister? Then you are in sin. You should confess that, relinquish it, turn it over to God, and be set free. Thou shalt not have malice. Put all malice off. The second thing, put off all deceit. How much, what kind of deceit? Like, this, is some deceit okay? Just a little deceit? I just want to be a little deceptive. We use a different word for this. The Bible, I love the Bible because the Bible sometimes uses words we don't think are appropriate anymore. Uh, it uses the word deception. Let's use the word manipulation. Do you know what manipulation is? It's deception. It's trying to create something in favor of you by not being truthful. By using whatever means necessary to accomplish whatever said event. How much deceit are we supposed to put away? Oh, oh, dang it. I don't get to keep any? No, none. It's all got to go. All malice. If I have ever manipulated a situation, okay, look, I'll, we'll just have a self-confession for Jackie. I have manipulated events in my favor. I'm guilty. It's not to, I'm not, it's, I'm not to uh, excuse my behavior. I'm to confess it and be set free. Amen? And as long as we just walk in it and tolerate it and say, well, it's okay, everybody does it then we're going to hear people say, I tried going to church once. When I got there, nobody was really any different. Yeah, because we just act like everybody else, full of malice and deceit. So what do we got to get rid of? Malice and deceit. And how are we able to get rid of those things? The Bible says, since Christ saved us, get rid of it. Yeah, you can choose to walk in all that nonsense still, right? But God wants us set free. Next, get rid of hypocrisy. Here's another, another way to say the word hypocrisy. Insincerity. Have you ever had a lack of sincerity? I have had a lack of sincerity. I have played the part rather than walked in the truth of the part. I'm not trying to say it well, I should just pour my bad mood out on somebody if they ask me. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It is saying do not walk around being insincere. Be sincere. Do I have to walk around in a bad attitude? No, I don't. Did Christ die to set me free from a bad attitude? Yes, he did. Am I choosing my bad attitude? Yes, you are. And you don't, just because you feel like you're grumpy at the world, and I say to you, how are you today, is not an excuse for you to pour out your grumpiness in my ear. Wow. Choose joy. 
The scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. But as long as we tolerate this nonsense, we're going to struggle in community. We're going to not be able to love one another like the Bible tells us to love one another. We're not going to understand our new identity in Christ because we're walking around with our old clothes on. Look, Christ saved me and I, I was a wretch. I was blind, but I don't walk around with my cane anymore. And I don't walk around in my wretchedness trying to display my wretchedness from the old days. Right? If Christ saved me, I, he, he is calling me, challenging me to take it off. Take off all that garbage. I'm walking around with a dead body hanging around my neck. Take it off. No malice. No deceit. No hypocrisy. No envy. Stop being mad if God blesses somebody. Just stop it. Just stop it. Take these three words. Four. It must be nice. Take them out of your vocabulary and throw them away. Just get rid of them. Do not tolerate it anymore. If someone says to you, oh, look at the, this new house that I've been blessed with, then celebrate with them. That's what the Bible says to do, right? You celebrate with them. Praise God. What a blessing. What a beautiful place. Hallelujah. Somebody gets a new car. What a blessing. Praise God. I'm so glad that you've been blessed with a new car or a new job or whatever thing. Encourage one another. No more, it must be nice. It took me a long time to remember that one because it must be nice pops right to my lips every time. But I, this is one of them that I made such a concerted effort. Say, I'm not ever doing that again. And the Lord tests me daily because I hang out with a lot of guys who have nicer motorcycles than me. And they go get a new faster motor which everybody's trying to have the fastest motor i know maybe you guys don't understand that but we're weird like that if you can't do a wheelie leaving the parking lot of church then you probably need to get a bigger motor <laughs> so it's oftentimes when they'll tell me oh i got this done or i got that done i i feel that in me but because christ has saved me and i don't want to be that person full of malice and envy and deceit and I want to rather say well praise the Lord man that's awesome I'm happy for you learn to rejoice with your brothers and sisters put off envy and the last one put off slander slander is the greatest destroyer of the church today Slander is the absolute worst thing you can do. Especially against another brother or another sister. Slander is gossip. Lying about someone else. If you don't think gossip is lying, 
go back to deceit and understand manipulation. Most people are slandering because they want a different thing to take place, right? I don't like this thing, the way this is happening, the way this is going out, so I am going to talk to everyone I can about this situation. And I'm never going to be completely truthful, which is being absolutely deceitful. Right? Remember we talked about those uh, that cake? If I bake you, or brownies, if I bake you brownies and I just put a little bit of dog poop in them, is it, is it, you want them? Or just a little. Yeah, no, we don't want that. So if I put untruth in something, isn't it all horrific? It is. It is. Slander is lying about someone else. It's usually the result of envy or goes back to deceit and manipulation. And the Lord says, take it off. Don't do it at all. Just don't. I know sometimes our hearts get all twisted up. Anybody's heart ever been really twisted up over something that's gone on? My heart's all jacked up. I'm mad, and I just want to get even. The wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. My children can quote that to you still today. Even my children who aren't walking with the Lord can quote, the wrath of man will not accomplish the righteousness of God. And they can quote, a soft answer turns away wrath. So stop. Take it off. He's going to describe our new identity in salvation with Christ. And the clothes we were wearing before we got saved do not are not appropriate anymore. And these, this list we just looked at is all over the Bible. All over the Bible. You know what's not in the Bible one time? Smoking, chewing, tucking your shirt in, wearing a tie. None of that's in the Bible. You know what is in the Bible? Don't be filled with malice and deceit and slander. And if we continue to focus on things outside, extraneous, and not focus on the truth of what God's word tells us to put off, we are not going to see the church walk in power. Put it off. I know hurt is real. But when I gave my life to Christ, I also gave up the right to be able to condemn another person. And I gave that right to Christ. So I relinquish it to him. And I say the Lord judge between me and you. And I forgive. And I walk with my eyes on the prize. And I get my eyes off whatever hinders that walk. Listen to what he positively describes in the next verse. In the next verse, in verse 2, he says, Like newborn infants, 
you guys have some kind of idea how newborn infants desire milk? Do you have some kind of idea? My second born son, Cole, was the scariest baby ever born. I've told you guys the story before. Kathy was pretty sure she didn't need to do any Lamas and re rehearse any of that stuff. So we went in to have Cole, like, we've done this before. How bad can it be? You know, he's number two. So we went in, and I watched my wife during the, the pushing of the baby when uh, my wife goes from four to ten centimeters in one uh, trans, what do you call them? Yeah, that's her transition, but contraction. Come on, ladies, you, there's, there's a couple of you here. So she has one contraction from four to ten. It's miserable for me. Yes. It's miserable. Let me tell you why it's miserable for me, fellas. She's mad at me that whole period. From four to ten, there's nothing I can do. She's just told me, don't look at me. She's told me, stop breathing on me. Which, In which case, the, the nurse handed me a mint. And then... And then she still didn't want me breathing on her. So, so during this contraction from 4 to 10, while I'm enduring my persecution, my, I watched my wife's, the whites of my wife's eyes burst. You ever seen that in someone who's not a demon? So she's pushing and she did something wrong and... The whites of her eyes, at the exact same time, both popped, and the whites turned blood red. Yeah, it was scary. Like, what just happened? And then Cole came out, and I understood. He was an enormous child, and one of Kathy's rules for the doctor, Kathy had rules for the doctor when the baby's born, some of you don't understand this. My wife understands this very well. The doctor works for you. It's not the other way around. I know sometimes they think that's how it is. But she told the doctor, when the baby's born, you will put him on my belly. And he said, now the, this doctor does that from now on since this happened. So Cole's born. Doc puts Cole on her belly. He looks like I don't I don't know he was he looked mad he was born angry his fists like this and he had to face like and I watched that baby low crawl up my wife's body to begin nursing and every time I read this scripture that says like a newborn baby desires milk you are not stopping that child. That child can't walk. It can't do anything. It can't express itself. But if you tried to stop that child from getting milk, you were going to hear about it. Like a newborn baby desires his mother's milk, you, as believers, desire the pure word. Like a baby wants There was not a lot of things Cole could do, but apparently a baby can low crawl because he did. His elbows went and he went all the way and the doctor couldn't believe it. The doctor 
said, my wife said, if you do this, if you put the baby on me, it will, the baby will want to feed you. Won't, we won't have a problem uh, nursing. And the doctor's like, you crazy nursing people. Don't know if that's true. But after that, the doc said, oh, I'm going to do that from now on. That worked pretty good. So this was, this was, this is what the word is calling us to. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. What does the Bible describe as that pure spiritual milk? It's his word. What do we need to grow? His word. What will you hide from if you're wearing malice and deceit and slander? What, what are you going to stay away from? The word of God. You're going to spend time reading the word of God. I hear people tell me all the time, Jack, I can't do it. I tried to do it. I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can do it. It is like every other discipline in your life. You cannot do it. There's no magic pixie dust going to fall out of the sky, sprinkle on your head, and blink. You're going to magically want, want to run to the Word. You're actually going to have to be disciplined. And understand that like a baby needs milk, you need the Word. You need the Word. My oldest boy, our last manager treat, him and I had a reconciliation of sorts, and I really enjoy our conversations. He calls me a couple times a week to ask me questions about the Bible, because for the first time in his life, he is reading the entire Bible. He is now in the prophets in the Old Testament, so it has slowed him down a little bit, but, uh, but he's doing it. He, the entire travel to and from work, uh, whenever he has the opportunity, he has the audio Bible on, and he listens to it. And it has begun the work of being transformed into the image of Christ in his life. Because that's what the word does. But if you won't do it, then nothing's going to change. If you walk around with all that malice hanging off of you still, and you don't understand what the Word of God means when it says, like an infant desires milk, you go after the Word. You pour the Word of God in. You have that Word of God. That by it you may grow up into salvation. Our comprehension of what Christ has done for us grows as we come to his word the bible talks about salvation in three different ways it talks about justification which is being declared innocent by the judge god declaring us innocent because of the sacrifice of christ you have something called sanctification which is the process through which the holy spirit working in the life of a believer he is made holy day by day and then you have the act of glorification, which is what happens when you see Jesus face to face. We have been saved, are being saved, and will be saved. The Bible uses it as a continuous action in the life of a believer. And if you want to be able to comprehend with the saints what that is all about, you grow by the word. You pour the word in. You have a question? Call me. 
It's on the slides every week. It was on the bulletins every week. I am not hard to reach. Call me. Say, I don't understand. I, I, I love to talk about that stuff. Every Monday morning when I'm not traveling or trying to travel to California, I come here Monday morning at 7 a.m. and we have coffee with the pastor, which is basically Bible answer man. You got a question? Come. No questions? That's okay. You don't, you don't have to. You're welcome to come. Be a part of the conversation. Or you're welcome to sleep in. Welcome to do whatever you want. But there's opportunity. There's opportunity to understand we are to grow. Look at verse 3. It has that word if. That word if in the Greek carries with it the idea of sense. There are four class conditions. I don't want to bore you too much. There's four class conditions with the word if. And depending on the grammar of the of the sentence, the definition in English, we often use if for many things in Greek. Oftentimes, it carries with it the, the concept of sense. Sense you have tasted and seen. It is so that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes his refuge in him. He is our strong tower. That is where we're to flee. Not to our living room or a bedroom or a man cave or our she shed or whatever other things you might have. We're to flee to Christ. He is our strong tower. We go to him. Taste and see. The Lord is good. I love, by the way, that we have been singing out of the Psalms. I love just singing the words of the Word of God. I love, I love being able to just sing it, take a verse and sing it. Because it's so beautiful to comprehend and understand who God is and what He has done for us. So we want to long for pure spiritual milk. Then in verse 4, he goes on to tell us, not only should we long for pure spiritual milk, but we should also recognize we are living stones. Look, he says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as we're desiring to grow, comprehend our new identity in Christ, we get rid of malice, that, that stuff goes away, and we long for the pure spiritual milk of the word, and we recognize that we are a community. That's why he started with getting rid of the things we need to get rid of that destroy community. We are living stones together in a spiritual building. Ladies and gentlemen, when we gather together, we are the temple of the living God. Your body individually is the temple of God. Scripture talks about that as well. But we corporately are the temple of God. The place where we find sacred space to meet the Lord. When we gather. Why do you think the world wants to stop you gathering? Please don't tell me you honestly think that it's COVID. Global, around the world, 
least four pastors I know of in Canada in, in jail. And the one pastor that was getting released got sent back into jail because the terms of his release was you can no longer gather to preach the gospel. That is the same thing the Sanhedrin told Peter, James, and John. I'm not saying COVID's not real. COVID's real. I'm not saying you can't get sick. You can't get sick. I'm not saying you can't die. You can die. I'm also saying that you are commanded to gather together as living stones in the body of Christ so that we can encourage one another to, to stand for him. That's, that's all I'm saying. You are commanded to understand. So we come to Christ. Look at verse 4. We come to him, Jesus, who is also a living stone. And this, he's going to quote from us from several Old Testament scriptures, and I no longer have time to tell you about them. So come tomorrow, and we'll talk about it. He's quoting from Isaiah 28. He says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. There's a story that's told about the building of the temple. You guys remember? In the building of the temple, they come at the time to set the cornerstone. Now, there's a lot of discussion about the cornerstone. So the cornerstone, just so you know, the language in the word for cornerstone allows for the cornerstone to be the chief of the corner from which you set the wall or for it to be the keystone in the arch. Both of them are cut a particular way. Personally, I like the idea of the arch because it fits my story better, but it could be either way. The point is, when the, when the builders called for stones, they're expecting stones to look a certain way. You ever seen a keystone for an arch? You can't build a straight wall with a keystone. But nor can you hold it all up with anything else. The keystone's the only part that will hold it up. The cornerstone, the, the, the cornerstone that was the setting from which the walls would be built. The same way, you could not develop the, the structural integrity of the building without it. It was required to be a certain way. Whether, which way it is doesn't make any difference. The point is the same. Christ was rejected by men, but he is the chief of the corner. He's the only one who will hold it all together. We are all different people, aren't we? We have different views on a lot of things. Anybody realize we have different views? We have different political views. Anybody realize we have different political views? We do. We have different ideas about, about uh, COVID. I was sharing with the worship team today. I have the unique ability to not make anybody happy with my views on COVID because I I, not only did I have COVID, I also got a vaccination, but I won't get two of them. So I don't make the vaccination people happy, and I don't make the people happy who think I shouldn't have any vaccinations. So I'm in my own camp of total unhappiness. <laughs> none of those views, none of those views matter at all. Christ is the cornerstone. He's what matters. What did Christ say? What, who is Christ? 
What has he done for us? This is the unifying point of the church. Not all the other things we may get focused upon. So he wants us to understand, he is the life, he's the living stone. He was rejected. They tested him, and they said, this is not what we want. But he was chosen by God. Isn't it interesting, the scripture uses the same phrase for the church and for Israel. Chosen by God. Not because there's anything particularly grand about us, just because God chose. He said, he is who I want. And he is precious. That word means to be filled with honor. Chosen by God and precious. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, Christ, and bestowed on him, Christ, the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ. So that the name of Jesus, every knee. How many knees? Every knee will bow. Where? Everywhere. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. Is there some other place? That covers them all, right? In heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is a precious stone. And you yourselves, you and I, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. If you come on Wednesday night, we're talking about the what many people call the millennium, Millennial Temple. I almost said Millennial Falcon for some reason. Star Wars has nothing to do with the Bible. So, the Millennial Temple, which I believe is a spiritual temple. You and I are being built into a spiritual house. Not a real house, or not a literal house, let's say that. Not a literal house, but a real house. Are you with me? You know, just because something isn't literal doesn't mean it's not real. Which is more real, the spiritual or the material? But in our existence, isn't the material something that's much easier for us to comprehend? We can see it, touch it, taste it. So the reality here he's saying is, look, you and I are living stones. This is a metaphor, right? We're living stones being built together into a community that is a spiritual house. What do we call that? You are the temple of God. Where does God's glory reside? In the community of believers. Right? Doesn't, doesn't dwell in houses made with hands. Where does he dwell? In the community of believers. In the church. In you and I as believers. We are the temple of God. We are a spiritual house. We are a holy priesthood. We are to offer spiritual sacrifices. John chapter 4, Jesus talking to the woman at the well. He said the day is coming when they will neither worship on this mountain or that mountain. For the Father desires those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. Here he says we in community being built together in community 
are a holy priesthood that will offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done. This is our identity. This is who we are. We all were something else, but this is who we are. Paul writes about the same thing in Ephesians 2, 19. It says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Same language, right? We're part of God's house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Same, we just talked about this, right? Peter said it. Here Paul is saying it. In whom the whole structure, this whole building, this whole community of the body of Christ is being joined together. It grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Why do these things matter? Because oftentimes the judgment of God fell upon the nation of Israel for their defilement of the temple. How did they defile the temple? They defiled the temple through idolatry. Oftentimes they put idols of false worship up inside the temple. Anybody paying attention to our world today? Have we set up false idols of malice and deceit and slander and tolerated our old clothes that we were supposed to take off? We're supposed to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God, right? What does scripture declare about judgment from God? Where does it begin? For the judgment of God starts house of God God wants us to clean up our act for such a time as this we want his temple to be pure we want to be able to offer the spiritual sacrifices that God is calling for Hebrews 13 15 through him then let us, through Christ, let us offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, which is the fruit of our lips that acknowledges his name. Why, why do we sing songs? We sing songs to ascribe worth and value to God. It's not about your entertainment or mine. I don't care if you like them. Sorry, that sounded bad, huh? It's not about entertainment. It's not about, oh, where's the cool guitar riff? There's not going to be any. None of us are that good. The Lord knew if he made me that good on guitar, I'd have all kinds of problems with my head. So he made me a guitar hack and a singing hack, and then he has orchestrated it, so I'm still here doing worship. But I can ascribe value, worth, worthiness to God because he's worthy. That's why we sing, to tell him he's worthy, to praise his name for what he has done. That's why words matter, because we want to say things that ascribe his value. Amen? His worthiness. 
Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Present your bodies. You know, those things that we like to run around with malice and deceit and slander and all that junk. That's not how you're supposed to present your body. You present your body as a body that desires the pure milk of the water of God's word. You present your body as a living stone built together in Christ to become a holy temple where we are able to gather and worship appropriately to honor God with our actions. Finally, he says, for it stands in scripture, verse 6, it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Jesus Christ is that which brings salvation. So the honor is for you who believe and not for those who do not believe. The recognition of the beauty of Christ could only be seen by those who enter into the relationship. If you walked up on the tabernacle, the tabernacle was just another tent covered with goat's hair. You would not look at it and go, what amazing thing. You wouldn't even notice it was different than anything else. Until you got inside. On the inside, every door was made of the exact same material. You know why? Because every door spoke of Christ. Because Jesus said, I am the door. How do we enter into the Holy of Holies? Through Christ. How do we enter into a holy place? Through Christ. How do we enter into the place of sacrifice? Through Christ. There were three doors at the temple, three ways that a priest would be able to enter in. Once you got inside, everything was gold. But it was all wood overlaid with gold. Do you know why? Because gold speaks of deity and the wood speaks of humanity. Jesus Christ is the God-man. But you don't understand the beauty of Christ until you get inside. You don't understand the beauty of salvation until you are inside. How do you get inside? You believe. To those who believe, this is what he declares. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Either you fall on Christ or Christ will fall on you. You fall on Christ, he brings salvation. He falls on you, he brings judgment. They stumble because they disobey the word. As they are destined to do. Why are they destined to do it? Because they don't believe. That's the destiny. Those who believe, they will fall upon him. They will recognize the beauty of him. But you, not like those who disbelieve, verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. This is your identity in Christ. Why? That you may, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into the light. I was once darkness, now I am light in Christ. I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. The transformation occurs through faith in Christ. Once you were not a people, 
but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The scripture talks about the reality that we were all children of wrath, awaiting the wrath of God. But now we have been saved in our salvation, the Lord declares, you are not appointed unto wrath, but to ob obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are a new creation. You have a new identity. Throw away your old clothes and walk in the truth of Christ. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We can gather before you in obedience, studying your word, Lord, singing our praises unto you, God, glorifying who you are and what you've done. Lord, I pray that as we, as we close out this morning, God, I pray, Lord, that you would move in might and power in the hearts of men and women here within the body at Buell because, God, you want us to be community. You want us to be together. You want us to be united in truth, not united in foolishness, but you want us to be united in the truth, standing fast in Christ Jesus so that we can be salt and light. God, I pray that you would help us have an answer that everybody else doesn't have because we hold the reality of Jesus Christ who he is and what he has done as we go from this place God I pray that you would be glorified and magnified in men and women who are trusting you to do what your word promises that we are not being conformed to this world we are being transformed as we come before you Lord change us and make us like you in Jesus name